We are in a little series called In the Beginning. We are talking about uh, the book of Genesis a little bit these last week and this week. And I have a question for you tonight. The first question is, what is your favorite kind of fruit? Somebody tell me your favorite fruit to eat. Banana. banana. Who else says banana? Who, who agrees with banana? You're allergic to bananas? Oh, you're allergic to all fruit. That stinks. I mean, I don't even really like fruit, but that's terrible. Uh, okay, anything else? We got banana. Anybody else got a favorite fruit besides banana? What's cherries? Okay. Apples, strawberries. Oranges, okay, I was going to say. Eh, eh, right, not on how she was going for Okay, yeah. Okay, so apples, oranges, strawberries, cherries. Anybody grapes? Anybody a grape fan? Grapes? Huh? They're not consistent. You never know what you're going to get. Like, like a box of chocolates, okay. So, yeah. Now, does anybody have a favorite, like, flower or favorite tree? Probably not. Roses, okay, everybody, you know. I like palm trees, being a Florida guy myself. It's just, you know, something I'm used to seeing a lot. But the willow, the weeping willow, oak trees, okay, yeah. So I want you to imagine a garden that has all of the above. It has all your favorite fruits you can eat. It has all of your favorite flowers. It's just the most incredible garden you can imagine. Now, this garden obviously exists, as you probably figured out, in the book of Genesis chapter 2. We're starting in verse 8. Oh, I lost it. I had it and then it went away. Chapter 2 verse 8 says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. So they were both pretty and good to eat. Uh, in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, so I have a few pictures of some gardens up here, just so you can kind of get a mental image of what this might look like, right? Pretty little waterfall over there, colorful flowers. I think the last one has a better waterfall. Yeah, cool, like, gurgling brook, I imagine, going through there, you know? And in that, in the middle of the garden were two trees, which is why we have two trees up here on the stage, in case you hadn't put two and two together there, right? We've got the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we've got these two trees, and we're kind of going back real specific about those in a few minutes here. And, but first, we're going to read Genesis 2, 15 through 17. We're going to scooch a few verses forward, and uh, that gum, I even marked it, and I still can't find it. Uh, 15 through 17 tells us about those trees. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from many tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, I need a volunteer. Actually, I need a short volunteer, preferably. Do you want to stand in there? Are you good with that? Okay, Tate's going to do it. But before we do that, here, I need you to do Here, I, he wanted to. Here, wait, wait, don't get in there yet. Here, put one of those on, on each tree. It doesn't matter which is which, but we're going to label our trees. Tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It, yeah, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter which is which. Just, okay, so we have our two trees. Now, 
When we think about this story, like in our minds, especially once you've heard it a few times, we normally think about the tree. We think of it as a, as a singular tree. We think about the one that they ate of, right? We say, when Adam and Eve ate of the apple. We forget about the tree of life. We mostly stick to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because that's the one that Adam and Eve chose. But the fact that God gave us two trees is, is representative of the fact that God actually gave Adam and Eve a choice, Right? It wasn't just, here's this tree, don't eat it, because that's the worst, isn't it? Like when you're, you're right, if your mom's like, here, I'm going to put these cookies on the counter, don't eat them, they're for somebody. And you're like, yeah, okay. And they are all gone. Right? But instead, God didn't do that. God said, here, you've got a choice. You can choose, because you can eat of the tree of life. We got the tree of life, and yes, they were allowed to eat from that one, because they could eat from any tree except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God's like, okay, you have a choice. You choose the tree of life. That means freedom outside the cage. Or, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the cage. Come on. Come in the cage. Okay? So you could either eat the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what happens if you eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? You will surely die. And he said that. He's like, hey, you will die. Am I? Did I disappear? I feel like I got quieter a second. Just there. Um, okay. So, so, we were, so we have the choice, right? And Adam and Eve could have chosen life, but instead they chose death. Now, now in verse eight or verse sixteen of that scripture, go to verse sixteen. It says, "The Lord God commanded the man, you are what? You are free to eat from any tree.' So he was created free. You can come out now. You can come out this time. So he was created free. Like that's the default. Hey, wait, wait, we're not done. Come back, come back. The default setting was freedom." Okay, and you and I were created freedom as well, which is awesome. We should be happy about that. Like, hey, cool, God created us free. But instead, we sin and we choose back in the cage. Back in the cage. Okay, we're going to put them back in there one more time. Right, so we're created free, default setting free, but when we sin, we go in the cage. And, and so Jesus had to come and do what? He created a way for us to get free again, right? Because after we sin, we're stuck there in the cage. So Jesus came, died on the cross. And in, in uh, Galatians 5.1, it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So Christ has set us free, and now you're done. Thank you. Give, give Tate a round of applause for letting me hit him in the face with that. Yeah, man, the excitement. Love it. So we're created free, then we sin. Then Jesus comes and sets us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not be, well, where'd it go? Where'd it go? I'm still reading that one. Um, stand firm then, do not, be, do not let yourselves be burdened again by eco slavery. So he's like, dude, Jesus set you free. Don't go back to the inside the cage, right? You're free. Don't get back in there. So we got the choice. Choose freedom, choose death. Jesus gave, set us free even after we screwed up. So these, the Bible, this is the Bible in a nutshell. Y'all didn't know that the whole Bible, all 66 books, thousands of words and verses, can be subbed up into three things. Created free. Genesis 1 and 2, right? We're created free to eat of anything in the garden except that one tree. We chose bondage. The rest of the Old Testament is about us choosing bondage and all the junk that comes with that. You know, the Israelites always getting captured and all that kind of stuff. And then Christ gave us the chance to be set free again. That's the whole New Testament. Like, that's the Bible in a nutshell. Created free. We chose bondage. Christ sets us free again. In a nutshell, that's the whole thing. And so we have that whole thing get started right here in Genesis 2. This idea that, that the choice of freedom or death, tree of life, tree of knowledge of good and evil, 
is right at the top. We choose death too often, but Christ has set us free. Now, people seem to think that when Christians, when they become a Christian, that means a set of rules, right? You may have heard people say like, well, if I go to church, then I won't be able to have fun. I won't be able to do this. I won't be. And they come up with this list of things that they think they are entitled to do that if they go to church, they won't be allowed to do anymore, right? If I go to church, I won't be able to drink. I won't be able to do all this. Like it's this list of rules that a terrible dictator has, has put on them. But I want you to notice this. In the garden, the garden is not a tree full of rules with one tree of fun, right? It's a whole tree. It's a whole, whoa, I don't know. What is up with this mic? It's a whole garden of freedom with one tree of rules, Right? It's a grace garden with a law tree, not a law garden with a grace tree. We have this whole thing, this whole garden. Yes, you are free to eat of anything in this place except this one. Because if you eat of it, you're going to die. So Jesus has created us free. And that's the exact same thing that the garden represents. When Jesus frees us, we have this whole freedom. Now, does the freedom mean that we can do just whatever we want? Is that what that freedom means? Let me give you an example. Most of y'all know Pumpkin and Telltale. They're not here tonight. They're on, the, they're on their way to Laredo with, for a family vacation. But um, Pumpkin and Telltale, I'm just going to grab the other mic because I'm tired of this. Okay. Oh, great. Awesome. Pumpkin and Telltale, they're four years old, right? They're little. Now, if we're outside after church, Pumpkin and Telltale were here. It's breaking in and out, too, I know. If we were outside and Pumpkin and Telltale were here, and they started to run into the street, what would their parents do? Why? They don't want them to die. Exactly. The street is dangerous, right? If a car comes, you know Pumpkin and Telltale don't pay attention to nothing. So they'd probably get run over by the car. So when your parents... Say, hey, don't do that. Just like God, God says, hey, you can do all this stuff. Just don't do that. There's a reason for that, okay? When you're little kids, you don't play in the street, you know, and because of that exact same thing. And the reason Diana and Renee do that is because they love them, right? If you go play in the street, you'll get hit by a car. You'll be hurt. You might die. God did the same thing. He's like, if you eat of that tree, you will die. You will surely die. Adam and Eve are stupid. They like to play in the street. They ate of the tree anyways, okay? But when God says, hey, you know what? Do me a favor. Just don't do this. Like, listen, you can do all this. You have a good time, have friends. You just stay away from this. It's because he's trying to protect us from our own stupidity, right? Like, like, and hopefully, I know a few of y'all have, have been around this, hopefully not too many of you, but man, I have been around too many people that got really drunk and got hurt or got sick or don't remember anything and got hurt and got sick, like, and I'm not, you know, and it's like, when, when God says, hey, do not get drunk on strong wine, it's not because he doesn't want you to have, it's because he's like, dude, it sucks, like, like getting that way is terrible, you, you like, when people, when people wake, you know, wake up with a hangover, they're miserable. Okay, that's miserable. And, you know, lots of stuff has all these terrible consequences, and God's like, dude, if you do that, you will surely die. Don't do that because God is a parent who loves you, just like when you're a little kid. And, like, uh, there's a Chris Titus joke. He talks about how little kids, when they, start, when they play with an electric socket, moms will be like, don't do that. But dads will be like, no, wait, watch. 
<laughs> right? And it gets, and you, you learn your lesson, but God doesn't want us to do that. God, God does not want us to have to learn the hard way. God's like, dude, if you do that, it's going to hurt. It's going to stink. You're not going to like the results. But so often we do it anyway. We're like, what that? Boom, we get hit by the car because we're dumb. And so God created this whole garden, and it all goes back to Genesis that you have this freedom don't do this because you will surely die. And, and, and the freedom comes up again in 1 Corinthians 10. It says, Paul says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. So we have all this freedom, but there's some stuff that is not good for us. It will hurt us, right? If I eat too much, too much, too many cookies, I get fat. If I don't exercise, I stay fatter, right? Like, you know, these, and again, that's a simple one, but like, it seems obvious. But when we do these things that we know have negative consequences, it becomes a problem because if I stay overweight my whole life, I can end up with type 2 diabetes, and there's all kind of issues that come along with that. And, and you know, we don't want those kind of, you're like, well, yeah, that's an obvious one. But we do stuff like this all the time, like, okay, I know that I should do this thing. I know that, it, you know, if I do my homework, it will have a better result than if I don't. And I'm the king of procrastination nation, so I've been there. But, you know, it's really simple. Do you want in the cage or do you want freedom? Do you want life? Do you want death? Do you want to live in the freedom that God gives us while, while respecting the boundaries that he, that he put there so that we don't get hit by a car? Or do you want to get hit by the car cage? That's the question. And that's kind of the big deal. That's the, again, that's the Bible in a nutshell, okay, is have a choice. I've talk, I talk about choices a lot because I believe that everything that happens in our life, almost, I mean, some stuff comes, circumstances out of our, out of our uh, control, but we have the choice on how to react to those things. So then the question becomes, what do we do with this freedom? Okay, we've got a, great, a freedom garden with, with the law tree, uh, and so we've got all this freedom. What are we going to do with it? Did you know the Bible actually, actually speaks to that too? Galatians 5.13, we were already in Galatians 5.1. Now we're going to move to Galatians 5.13. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. We're, used, we're supposed to use our freedom to love each other. Right? We're supposed to use our freedom to love each other and to show that we care about the people around us. And sometimes that's hard. Like sometimes we want to use our freedom to slap people, right? And I have been there. Um, what was I today? Anyway, I don't remember. I don't want to take time to. Today I got annoyed with somebody and I can't remember what it was. But, you know, you, you've been there, right? Y'all have probably today, there's probably one person today that you wanted to just smack. Okay, I bet we can all think of somebody. Some of y'all are laughing and nodding because it's already the person's already in your head. Hopefully, the person's not in the room. Um, but don't point or look if they are. So, we have the freedom to love people. Now, what is the ultimate expression of love? What does the Bible say? There's no greater love than this. Anybody know? Right, that a man would lay down his life for a friend, okay? So basically, to give life to somebody is the greatest, is the greatest show of love. And what's the greatest way that we can give life? Hmm? What's the greatest way that we can give life to somebody? Be nice to them. No. I mean, yes, but that's not what I was looking for. <laughs> no, don't be afraid to answer. I can do that to her because she's always right, so it's kind of funny when she's wrong. Um, she's a pastor. Okay. Uh, what's the greatest way that we can give life to somebody? 
What? Yes, that was it. Come on. Tell them about Jesus. Yeah, she was afraid to answer because I was mean to shadow. It was a Sunday school answer. I know, she was clapping as she did it too. You were going to say what? Donate an organ. Well, I mean, that's a good way too, yeah. Give birth, okay. Yeah, I wasn't thinking those ways. But, <laughs> but yeah, good answers to everybody, yes. Survey says no. Um, yeah, the best way that we can give life to somebody is to tell them about Jesus. That's what Easter's all about. That's why we're gonna. That's why we're doing a big production. That's why we're gonna have the picnic and jumpers and the Easter egg hunt for all the little kids and all that stuff is so that we can tell people about Jesus and we can show them that love that God has given us freedom to do. We have freedom to do all kinds of stuff, but above all, the Bible says to love each other, and that means telling people about Jesus. So I want to encourage you guys as we get close to Easter and we get close to these events, think of somebody you can invite. Again, if you promise them free food, they'll probably come, right? If you say, listen, come on, we're going to barbecue. You know, we got barbecue dogs and stuff. We're going to have a good time out at the park. They'll probably come because everybody wants free food. Yes? Right? How many of y'all have done stuff for free food? Yeah. When I was in high school, man, our jazz band played all over the place. And they'd always write a check that went to the band program. And Mr. Hope was like, just make sure you feed the kids. Because he knew that as long as we got fed, we were happy to do anything. We'd go to any gig. We'd, you know, we played for old people. We played for, we played for, man, the worst gig ever. And they didn't even feed us is why it was the worst gig. But we had to be at school at like 530 for this breakfast awards ceremony. It was the worst up in, oh, it was terrible. And they're like, yeah, you guys will get a good hot breakfast. Everybody's getting, and there was like a basket of muffins. And we're like, yeah, that is not what we were promised. So we all went to this. But, um, you know, when, if you promise somebody food, they'll probably come. So tell somebody, hey, listen, we're going to feed you. Wednesday night's the same thing. Like, hey, come eat dinner, hang out. We, you know, we play some games. You'll hear me talk for a little bit. And, and so we want people to have that opportunity to, to get their own freedom in Christ. Because right now, your friends who don't know Jesus, they're in the cage. They're in the cage. And we, and we want to let them out. We want them to see that there's another option as that time comes and, and when we have the opportunity. So we're going to pray, and then we'll be done. But I want you guys to be thinking about somebody. Think about somebody you can invite. Think about somebody you can show the love of Jesus to you. You can tell about Jesus. You don't have to preach at them. Just be nice to them. Be nice to somebody that's not expecting it. You know, do something without expecting something in return. It's amazing the way if you show what your freedom means, how people will want that same freedom. Let's pray. Dear God, I pray right now, God, that you would, uh, God, bring people to our minds. God, people that we can invite for Easter and to the picnic and all that stuff, God. Not because free food is good, which it is, but most importantly because you love us and we want to, people to see that. We want people to get out of the cage and to see that you love them and to experience your love. God, that our our life of freedom is an excuse to to just trash our lives, God, but it's an excuse to show other people the freedom that, that you've given us. Pray that you put people in our minds. God, give us to invite. Give us the courage to talk to people. Give us the courage to bring them. God, and I pray right now if there's any student in here, God, that has not experienced your freedom, that hasn't begun a relationship with you, right now all you got to do, guys, is begin to talk to him. It's not about raising your hand or praying a prayer. Specifically, it's about, God, I want your freedom. And God, I'm willing to give up my life. I'm willing to give you my life so that, so that God will give you yours. 
And God, I pray that, God, that you would just be on our hearts, God, be in our lives. Lord, don't let us get lazy. Don't let us get weary or get tired, God, but that you would bring courage and energy and focus, God, to bring people to you, that we would not grow weary of doing what is good because we know that, God, in the end, you are our strength. God, again, we pray for any sicknesses that may be represented. We pray for any, uh, God, any any other issues. Pray for school, God. Pray focus over these students as they come down the home stretch of the school year and we just pray that you would be on them and you would your spirit would be their strength, Lord, and that they would be an example of what you've called them to be, God. And you would, God, just bless them in everything that happens, God. We thank you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.